0: Was I there? Oh, I was there, closer than anyone else. Let's just say that Jesus and I were seeing eye to eye. Who am I? Well, I was one of the thieves on the cross next to Jesus, my partner in crime. Literally, he's the one that was over there on my left. You see, we were robbers. My partner there along with others lived in caves in the hills near the road that led from Jericho to Jerusalem. We made our living by violence. We wouldn't take on people traveling in groups to pass. They caravan together for safety. Our target was families, traveling alone, the occasional fool all by himself an easy pick. This was our life. I you know that this was not what my mother or father dreamed would be my future, but things just never worked out for me. A guy has to eat, right? All was good until that Roman patrol showed up. The others ran off and got away. the soldiers caught up with the two of us. They beat us silly and then dragged us into Jerusalem. The sound of the jail cell still clangs in my ear. There was no mercy for the likes of us. Our trials came and went, for there was no defense for our actions. We'd gotten away with a life of crime for a long time, but not anymore. Our sentence included a large wooden cross that we would have to lug up that hill outside of town, the place known as the Skull. I've seen crosses up there so many times before, but I never thought that one of them would have my name on it, that I would be on it. Not that I didn't deserve it. Oh, we all do things that aren't so nice, or things that we regret. In that sense, you're no different than me. Believe the Jews around here call that sin? Well, the day of our judgment was upon us. I remember it being a Friday. From within my cell, I could hear all kinds of commotion going on outside. People were shouting and yelling. The chant of crucify him, crucify him, grew louder and louder. People were relentless. It was obvious that someone was going to be joining us up on that hill. Who? Guards led us out. The soldiers beat us and whipped us. We struggled under the weight of our crosses. Not long after being raised up on that tree, through the excruciating pain, I saw him coming. The man was dripping in blood before he even got there. What had they done to him? And who was he? That's when I heard through the crowd that it was Jesus. I'd heard that name before. The stories of his teaching, the amazing things he had done were everywhere. I think he even saw him and his band of disciples pass by us nearly a week ago as they were heading to Jerusalem. I so wanted to see him. Not like this, not from my cross to his. The crowd grew around us as they raised him up on his cross. Most crucifixions were a lonely experience, with no one around as the guilty died a very slow and painful death. But not today. It seemed like all the Jewish people showed up. Yes, there were few women crying for him, but there were more just continuing to hurl insults at him, even as he was nailed there next to me. I remember hearing one of their teachers shout out, if you're some kind of Messiah, come down from that cross. And even my friend started yelling at him, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. I yelled back over at him, do you not fear God? Can't you see that we're going to die just like he is? We deserve what has come upon us. This is our due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. I took a deep breath, and looking at Jesus, I knew. Don't ask how, but I just knew that Jesus was who he says he was. And looking at him, I said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Though he was exhausted, in excruciating pain, his back oozing with blood and laboring for each breath, he looked at me with eyes filled with compassion and said, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. What amazing words, nearly the last words to ever come out of his mouth. They were for me. Though I too was hanging on a cross of death, I now had a new hope. hope that I cannot explain. Hope is certain and sure. For this man, this Jesus is who he says he is. Was I there? Oh, how thankful that I was there.
1: So, as Mark pointed out, we are continuing in this series. We started on Ash Wednesday called Were You There? And the goal of this series really is just to take you back in time to that very first Good Friday at the foot of the cross. And we've been looking at different characters, as Mark pointed out. There was, of course, John the Baptist who pointed to the cross, he wasn't there. But then there was Mary Magdalene, who had the demon possession thing going on. Then there was the Roman centurion, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and then John, the apostle. And all of them were there at the foot of the cross. As Mark mentioned, we're also looking at someone else, though, today. Someone who wasn't at the foot of the cross, but who was hanging on a cross next to Jesus. Before I get going, though, I want to start by just sharing a phrase with you. It's a rather morbid phrase that was used years ago for inmates who were on death row. When that prisoner was taken out of their cell and led to the execution chamber or wherever they were going to be put to death, the guards would yell out, dead man walking. And the entire prison knew that with each step that that prisoner took, they were that much closer to their ultimate death. I mean, there was no hope of them being saved. They were a dead man walking. By all accounts, that criminal who was crucified next to Jesus was a dead man walking. And yet, in his experience with Jesus, this thief, this common thief, was transformed from a dead man walking to a forgiven man in paradise. Let me reread to you that portion that Mark read a moment ago. This is from Luke 23. It says this, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? He said, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. So this condemned thief not only acknowledges his own guilt and crimes and wrongs but he recognizes that Jesus is innocent. And we don't know for sure but at some point he must have started to think about what was gonna happen to him after he died. Because then he turns to Jesus and he asks him this. He says, Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom. And to me that's just incredible. Because here's this, this thief in his final moment, and he answers one of life's most important questions, right? The question, who is Jesus? And, and by the, purely by the work of the Holy Spirit, this thief is led to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so the thief says, Jesus, will you, will you please take me with you, right? Will you save me? to which Jesus replies these incredible words. He says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. Jesus saw into the heart of that dead man walking, and in that final moment of his life, he offers him the gift of God's salvation. Today, what I'd like to do is explore some truths that revolve around just the basic Christian faith. So we're looking at Christianity 101, if you will. We're going to look at some truths that flow out of this encounter between the thief and Jesus. In particular, I want to look at those final words that Jesus spoke to the thief. Now, some of these truths that I'm going to share with you for you sitting here, for those of you watching online, they're going to be familiar. For others of you, this will be new ground, okay, completely new ground. Still others of you, you might be prompted by the Spirit to recognize that technically you may be a dead man or dead woman walking in the sense that even though you look good on the outside, I mean, you're here, but if we could see inside, we'd see this disconnect between you and Jesus, and that disconnect could go into eternity, So regardless of where you are, what I want to do is explore again some of these truths around the Christian faith that we can pull out of the words specifically that Jesus speaks to the thief. Where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And truth number one is this. From the words of Jesus, we recognize that salvation is by grace. Right Now, just to make sure we're all on the same level playing field Let me define for you salvation and grace. Salvation is God's process of forgiving your sin, adopting you into his family, and then securing for you an eternity with him through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's salvation. And it's all God's work. Grace is when God gives you what you need and not what you deserve. Because of your sin, you deserve hell. But God gives you what you need, forgiveness and eternal life. That's grace. And again, it's all God's work. All right, So there is nothing, not a thing, that you can do to earn salvation or God's grace. Now as the thief is hanging on the cross, again, Jesus says to him these powerful words. He says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And while the thief never heard the words that Paul wrote in Romans 5, I think that if he did hear them, he would fully agree with them. Look at these words. This is from Romans 5, verses 7 and 8. Paul says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, and that's grace. Grace is God offering you salvation as a gift. And it's a gift, by the way, that he gives you, not when you're at your best. But when you are at your absolute worst, as Laura pointed out, you're sinniest, okay? It is when you are at your absolute worst. And and, and think about it. Jesus didn't first make the thief pay for his crimes and his failures and his wrongs, right? No. In that moment, when the thief was at his sinniest, at his worst, God offers, Jesus offers him God's gift of salvation. That's grace, Ephesians 2 says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Like the thief, there isn't anything that you can do to save yourself. You are a dead man, dead woman walking by all counts. You cannot brag about anything you have done. You cannot pat pat yourself on the back and say, Look what I've done. Okay, Salvation is not a reward that you have earned. It is a gift from God to you. And that is the first truth that we can pull from Jesus' words in this encounter with the thief. Salvation is by grace alone. It has nothing to do with what you have done. It has everything to do with what God has already done for you. Truth number two, salvation is personal. For all of you sitting here, all of you watching me online right now, God's gift of salvation flows to you individually, personally. Okay, it goes from a person, Jesus, individually out to each and every single one of you. 2,000 years ago on that, first, on that first Good Friday, it flowed from Jesus directly to the thief who was crucified next to him. Jesus even identifies this, making it very personal for the thief, saying it this way. Notice how he says this. I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus says, you. Sometimes I wonder what the name of that thief was. You know, was it Jacob or Marcus or Joseph? I don't know, Bob? (laughs) Okay, probably wasn't Bob. There weren't too many Bobs back then. But you know what? That's okay because maybe God doesn't want us to know his name because then it would be all about Bob or whatever. Jesus just simply wants you to understand it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your name is, okay? Salvation is about you. It's personal. Now, unfortunately, there are people who get this wrong. They they mess up when it comes to God's salvation. For example, there are people who mistakenly believe that because of so many Christians in this country, that if you are born in America, you are automatically, you must automatically be a Christian. Of course, that's just not the case. Billy Graham, I love how he words this. He says it this way. Being born in America no more makes you a Christian than being born in a garage makes you a car. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. Now, obviously, you know, parents can take their child and get it baptized, get that child baptized, and they can teach their child about Jesus and how to pray and how to, how to you know, read the Bible, and they should do that, okay? But your parents cannot believe for you, nor can your spouse nor can anyone else. Salvation, God's gift of salvation comes when purely by the work of the Spirit within you, empowers you personally to trust that Jesus is your Lord, your Savior. A couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about the Roman centurion, I shared this verse with you. It's Romans 10, verse nine. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So a second truth that we can learn from this encounter between Jesus and the thief is that salvation is personal. It comes from Jesus to each and every single one of you individually, right? It is personal. Jesus died for you personally. Leads me to the third truth. Salvation is immediate. Okay, it is available now. And for those of you who wrestle with impatience like me, (laughs) this, this is good news. This is good news. And I don't know if you, I don't know how many of you wrestle. I, if, and I even hate to admit this to you, but I'm going to do it. And it's going to be on the internet now. So it's just it's too late. I, I lack patience at times. You ask my wife, Carla, I should say, yep, those, those are times. One of the times, this is, this is, just, this is when I, I'm weak with impatience. It's when I'm sitting in traffic, stuck in a traffic jam. Anybody else wrestle with that? That's just not my cup of tea. I just don't like doing that. And there's another one, which is close second, is waiting in long checkout lines. I just wish they would open another checkout line. Then you wouldn't have to have such a long, deep line. A couple of weeks ago, I was at Mark's in Strongsville off Pearl Road. I had like two or three items I had to get. I don't even remember what they were. But I was just going to be zip in, zip out, right? How easy can it be? I got my items, get in the line, and the lines are all kind of long. I see a line that has actually two people with just a few items, and there's a person ahead of them, and they got a few more items. I'm like, this is, this is good. I'll, I can handle this. But then as I'm standing there, I notice to the, to the right of me, the aisle right next door. There's just one guy. He has even fewer items. I'm like... All right, so I go over and get in this line and then I quickly realize why there was no one else in that line, because apparently his credit card didn't work, it was being rejected or something and he didn't have any cash and then they were doing price checks on everything. I thought to myself, I'm going to die of old age right here, ready right in marks today. So then I look over and I see, a, you know, a couple of eyes. Of, I see two young guys. They're in their early twenties. I'm thinking, how much could they possibly need? What could they possibly buy? So I can't see their cart, but I get over there and they got like a hundred items in their cart. I'm like, this is this is incredible! So I go back to the original line, and the, you know, line with the two people. They now have four more people in their line. It was awful. It pays to be patient. Uh. For those of you, however, who are weak with impatience like me, you will love this aspect of God's salvation. It's immediate. It is immediate. Remember what Jesus says to the thief? He says to him, I will tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus tells the thief today, right? Not tomorrow, not next week not after years of purgatory, burning off sin, not after hundreds of thousands of reincarnations getting rid of of bad karma. He says, today, because salvation is immediate. It's available now. You can have it right away. Acts 2, verse 21 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is yours the moment when you, by the Holy Spirit, Trust that Jesus is your savior. For many of you, that happened when you were baptized and then you affirmed it verbally at your confirmation. For this criminal hanging on the cross 2,000 years ago, it happened in those last moments of his life. Thank goodness, salvation is immediate. But how does he get it? That's truth number four. Salvation is through Jesus alone. God's gift of salvation comes through one person and only one person, and it's Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus says. He says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus looks the thief right in the eye. He says, your salvation is a gift from me. You are receiving this gift of salvation from me. That's the only way. God's salvation comes to anybody. It comes through Jesus or it doesn't come at all. He's your only shot, okay? He's your your only way of, of being saved, Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I know people in our culture today will look at that verse and they will tend to think of Christians as being exclusive of certain groups or narrow-minded or intolerant. Jesus never excluded anybody. He didn't exclude prostitutes or tax collectors or people who were unclean or diseased or the Roman centurion or Mary Magdalene who was demon-possessed or the thief or you or me. Jesus doesn't exclude anyone. In fact, I would argue that Christian is actually the most inclusive faith in the world because anybody, anybody can receive God's salvation through Jesus, anyone. Okay, you don't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to be a certain gender or a certain age. You don't have to be, you know, have a certain ethnic background. You don't have to come from a certain country or have a certain level of education or have, you know, come from a certain class or be a certain status. No, God's gift of salvation is available to literally anybody, everybody, through faith and through faith in Jesus alone. And that leads me to truth number five. Salvation is eternal. So quick review. God's salvation is through faith, right? By faith. It's personal. It's immediate. And it's through faith in Jesus alone. And it is eternal. Notice how Jesus words it when he's speaking to the thief, uh, hanging next to him. He says, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in where? What's that last word? Say it. Paradise. Right. Interesting word. I mean, it's not a bad word. We, of course, use the word heaven when we talk about our eternity with God in heaven. But why would Jesus use the word paradise? He's used the word heaven before. So why paradise? And, and we really don't know. So this is purely conjecture on my part. But I'm thinking he uses that word because of the connection that those who were the Jewish audience that were around the cross, they, that they would maybe connect those dots. And maybe the thief was a Jew. We don't know. Maybe he would have helped, that may have connected some dots for, for him. And here's where I'm going with this. Remember why they were crucifying Jesus. One of the reasons was because of his claim to be the Messiah, right? The son of God, the promised savior of the world. And that is a, a claim that is connected to promises in the Old Testament all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. And in Genesis, we know the story of creation and how God created Adam and Eve, and he put them in this garden called Eden, Garden of Eden, and it is a perfect place. There's no sin, no doubt, no shame, no death, nothing. It is what the Jews called back then in Jesus' day. It was paradise. Same word. And... and, and Even though any good Jew would have known that, you know, that paradise was lost because of Adam and Eve's sin, they also knew that if Adam and Eve had not sinned, that paradise, that Garden of Eden, was supposed to be a paradise that was going to be with Adam and Eve and God forever. It was paradise that was going to be eternal. Now, Jews also knew that the Messiah was coming. And the Messiah was going to come to take paradise lost and bring and make it paradise restored. So again, we don't really know if that's what Jesus was thinking. But maybe, just maybe, he was helping to connect the dots for those who were around the cross hearing that or maybe for that thief to get what he was actually talking about. To understand that this is his forever home. We don't know. But what we do know is what Paul says here in Romans 5 verse 7. He says, for if by the trespass of the one man, by the way, that's Adam, Death reigned through that one man, and by death, Paul is not talking about when you get old and die, death, but eternal separation from God forever in hell, death. Very big difference. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Life, in this case, isn't talking about life just now, it's life forever, Through Jesus, okay, through Jesus, God's gift of salvation flows to us. Through Jesus, we conquer sin, death, and the devil. We have that triumph. And we know that someday paradise will be our forever home. It'll be our home forever. Why? Because salvation is eternal. 2,000 years ago, a common criminal was crucified on a hill outside of Jerusalem. But he answered one of life's most important questions. The question, who is Jesus? For all of you sitting here, for all of you watching me online, who is Jesus to you? Have you thought about that? Who is he to you? I mean, if you were to die today, God forbid, but if you were, do you know with absolute certainty that you'd be going to heaven? That Jesus would look you in the eye and say, today you will be with me in paradise. Have you thought about that? Have you given any thought to the eternity of those people you care about? Family members or friends, people in your circle of influence who need God's grace just as much as you do, Okay, but right now, for whatever reason, they don't know Jesus or they don't have a relationship with him. Two weeks from today is Easter Sunday. And it is that one Sunday of the year when people who would not, never would never normally go to a church, are more likely to come if they are invited. Now I know right now that we have space at our two 8 a.m. services here in the sanctuary, uh, here in the CAC, and the other one in in the sanctuary. And I know you might be thinking, "Oh, but 8 a.m. is so early," and I get that, I understand. But, but maybe let me just challenge you maybe it would be worth getting up a couple hours early to impact potentially impact their eternity. And maybe that time doesn't work for them. Maybe you can just invite them to watch online, all right? do a kind of a watch party, and then you uh, go out for brunch, and then you can talk about what they heard. All right? Maybe, maybe it's, that doesn't work. Maybe you invite them to the Sunday after where we start this brand new series called the Red Letter Challenge. Right, where we're going to get into the, the God's word. We're going to look at those words of Jesus that in some Bibles are printed in red, hence the name. And we're going to look at how we can take those words and put them into, our, into practice. So if you have, and I really, really encourage you to join us in this. Uh, uh, we're going to be talking about it, so you don't want to be left out. Grab a book on your way out. They're out there in the commons. As you go out, turn to the right, pick up a book. Make sure you get your own book. No sharing, because we want your answers in this book. And then sign up for a small group. A small group is critical. Small groups are people in you know, group 12 or less where you are just going to you know, talk and laugh and, and share and you're gonna help each, hold each other accountable. You, know, you do your work and you're gonna do their, you're gonna hold them accountable. You, they pray for you, they support you, they love you, they help you grow closer to Jesus. So join us, okay? Grab a book, sign up on our website for a small group. And maybe invite that person that you might be thinking of right now to come with you, right? So that they know who Jesus is, so that they can, so they know the the, the grace and the salvation that God freely extends to to anyone, everyone, including a thief who was nailed to a cross 2,000 years ago. So, let me just challenge you in a couple of ways this week. First, let me challenge you to remember that salvation is God's gift to you. It isn't something you earn. It certainly isn't something you deserve, but God gives it to you anyway because of his love and grace. Second, rejoice in the paradise that awaits you. Praise God, right? Praise God that like the thief, heaven is going to be your forever home in Jesus. Third, love others by making sure they know Jesus too. Think about those people whom you know may be on the outside of a relationship with God looking in. Pray about them, okay? Ask God for opportunities to invite them, maybe to come to the 8 a.m. service or to watch online or whatever, or just an opportunity for you to share with them who Jesus is and, and, and what he has done so that they, like the thief 2,000 years ago, know Jesus and trust him as their Savior and Lord and king too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what Jesus did on the cross and through the empty tomb, so that paradise, the paradise that was lost in the Garden of Eden can be ours once again through faith in him as our savior. Father, thank you that through a condemned criminal, we have learned, or maybe have been reminded, that your gift of salvation comes to us by grace, that it's, by, that it's personal, it's immediate, it's through Jesus alone, and it involves an eternity with you. We praise you for that, Father. Thank you for that incredible gift. Continue to bless the rest of this series and bless us through it. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' great name. And all God's people said, amen.